0: Hello, I'm Amy Stevenson, and this is The Human CEO. In each episode, we'll be meeting with CEOs and senior leaders to understand their approach to leadership, the challenges they faced, and how they overcame them. We'll also be asking what they feel it takes to be a great leader.
1: And this is when I put these things together in the past years, and I coined this term high-performance mindset, when I said this is really what you want. You want to get into this state which is calm, focused,
0: Welcome to The Human CEO. I'm your host, Amy Stevenson, and today I'm joined by Rainer Kraft. Rainer is an expert in biohacking, epigenetics and mindful leadership. Rainer is a Silicon Valley tech veteran who has pioneered measurable mindfulness, a data driven approach to systematically increasing your level of present awareness or LPA, as well as mindful leadership methodologies. In the last ten years, he's helped many people working in the tech sector to reach new levels of awareness, performance, energy and resilience. Rainer joins us today to share his insight on his methodologies and how to be a more mindful, more human CEO. Thank you for joining us today, Rainer. It's great to have you with us.
1: No, thanks uh, for having me here.
0: I'm looking forward to the conversation. This is going to be a little bit different to other podcast episodes in that I I really want to capture your journey because the journey that you've had that's led you to the point where you are now is to me is fascinating, but I think the work that you're doing currently will be really interesting to our audience. So first question then, can you introduce yourself, tell us a bit about your work at the moment, please?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, So uh, my name is Rainer, Rainer Kraft, and um, I've been in technology and tech for more than two decades, time goes by. And yeah, I mean, I uh, right after studying computer science back in the mid 90s, I moved to California, Bay Area. Uh, This is where in the Silicon Valley I spent most of my time, but later on also moved to uh, 2016, moved to Berlin, Mm -hmm. Uh, spent seven years there. Now I moved back to closer to Frankfurt, uh, Mm -hmm. which is quite a nice, uh, yeah. (laughs) journey in terms also from a location perspective, but uh, yeah, I've been in tech, tech leadership um, and also in a lot of the more innovation researchy type of topics within tech, Mm -hmm. information retrieval, search, personalization, machine learning, AI, so a very broad spectrum of things I've been working on. But then, in the past few years, uh, decided then also create my own business, the Mindful Leader, which am I doing now, and uh, working with uh, many uh, business and tech leaders and helping them in different aspects around awareness, uh, mindful leadership, mindset, uh, but also on. on Completely on the body side in terms of epigenetics, uh, biohacking. So it's a very broad spectrum what I'm doing these days. So it's mm-hmm. so for sure, an interesting journey and probably a good discussion coming up.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm really interested in how you transitioned because you you were working for Deutsche Bank, you worked with Yahoo, and then you made that transition into leading your own business, the Mindful Mindful Leader. We help CEOs and, and business leaders to be more mindful and like you said it's more it's more holistic than just taking those steps to be mindful isn't it there's epigenetics and looking after the mind and the body but i'm yeah. fascinated in in how that happened when did that transition happen for you and how
1: yeah it was a long transition i uh, started probably about 10 11 years ago yeah. when as a techie and i was also teaching at the university in california in santa cruz so i have doing working also on a few startup ideas on the side. So it was quite busy. And at some point, uh, if you do more and more and more, and if you don't take care of your mind and your body, mm-hmm. very quickly you'll notice there are some constraints, right? yes. so to say. And I pretty much ran into a phase of mental exhaustion. It was not burnout. I just I didn't, I didn't even know what all these terms mean at that point. But I just felt like I uh, I'm in this on one side this hamster wheel thing going mm-hmm. on right mm-hmm. and doing more and more working more but achieving less okay and that was uh, that was a realization and that of course then you get triggered to even push harder but at some point there is no energy left well not mm-hmm. no energy but I would say some energy right it just feels like at some point when a certain break uh, certain point is reached, right? When you put in more work, but you're getting less and less out. I think this is when I realized something has to change.
0: Uh
1: And this is when I, at that point, um, discovered mindfulness, Um, not because I got curious about it or anything, because it was something that I felt uh, other people told me at that point, oh, look. Uh, there is this mindfulness class in my employer. Uh, Yahoo was actually offering that to employees. And so, yeah, no, no clue what it is. Let's let's figure it out. It, it seems like something interesting could be helpful. Let's just do it. Right? And that was the time when I got into this, but not because I wanted to be mindful, but more in terms of how can I gain energy back and how can I get my stress levels down and also calm down the mind, right? The mind was always very active and there's a lot of thought activity. I couldn't focus uh, anymore that much. And so it was really, for me, the insight was I have to do something different to achieve different results, basically.
0: Uh-huh. Okay. Um, was it, as, I'm going to say, I was going to ask, was it as simple as that? But I'm sure it wasn't a simple process. But was there that level of clarity that you sort of said, Yes, this is it. I need to make a change. There are changes that I need to make. Or was it quite a continual process? People talk about hitting a wall, don't they? But what what was what was the
1: catalyst? Yeah, not very good. Yeah, there was a pivotal moment when I when it was just too much. At some point, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I felt I'm dying. Basically, it felt like I have a heart attack, and. So then, the emergency unit came. They put me on all the different EKG and all the different equipment, and then uh, they checked me out, and then they drove me into the hospital. Wow. And during and so this was <laughs> for sure a, uh, a situation that uh, came unexpected. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I was in that emergency unit while traveling to the hospital, and then this was. And I still remember this moment when all of a sudden I was completely calm. There was a complete state of clarity which I never experienced before. I could literally watch myself sitting there uh, in a very calm state of mind, and I enjoyed it. It was so peaceful. You say, "Oh, cool! What is this? This, this, uh, this feels like a, a very, um, very nice state to be in." <laughs> and, I didn't even think about other stuff anymore, and of course, then they checked me out, things looked okay. They told me about something like an anxiety attack. I had no clue what that was, right? They gave me some pills, here, take this, calms you down, but at that point, I already was calm. Uh, And I kept, but I kept in this quiet, in this peaceful state for quite some while, it was not disappearing fast, it was, I was in this... State of peace and calmness. I say, oh wow, this is so cool! And why didn't I have experienced this before, right? And this one, when I when I heard about the mindfulness, and this okay. when I became aware that I am mindfulness, actually something that gets you there or keeps you maybe in these states even longer, because at some point, obviously, the state would fade again, right? And back comes the thinking mind, uh, but still impressed from this experience, this motivated me really to explore this and go into this. Uh, And that's what I did, right? And then actually once I started exploring this, I was able to get back into these states, Mm -hmm. sometimes even deeper. And uh, that told me there is something to this, but of course I was still relatively fresh to this field of mindfulness But I was curious, and if I'm curious, I want to. I want to know more. I want to go deeper. Basically,
0: that's incredible. And so that wasn't what you're describing. there's almost like an out of body experience. Then that wasn't intentional. It wasn't a place that you tried to get to. It just washed over you, and you kind of you've studied and tried to get back there continually. Is that? Am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yeah, it was. It wasn't intentional. I had no. I mean, again, for me, I had no clue. Uh, I was just there and this, all these things were happening fast and, uh, and then I was just present in this time, that's where I realized I was just present and just experiencing it without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. That made a difference, I think, and that was why it's so peaceful because there is no thinking activity. Yeah.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. And so in terms of the leaders that you work with now in, in your organisation, the enterprise that, that was sort of born out of that experience, almost you could say, how? what advice would you give to leaders to avoid getting to that point? So we all want to get to the point where you yeah. were in terms of the intentional calm that comes over you, but how do we avoid the emergency unit? What are the steps that people can take yeah. now feeling as yeah. many as yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. That was then my, that was at that point became my my uh, intention, figuring this out. How can you, so you got yourself into this mess. Is it something that has to happen, always has to happen? Are there more pleasant alternatives? Or are there more proactive alternatives? Yeah. And so then it took me many, many years while I was exploring uh, these topics from different angles and go deeper and deeper. I went to many retreats, workshops. I got deep into a lot of these topics like neuroscience um, and, of course, mindfulness in all kinds of flavors and variations. And so I realized that there are three pillars to this that are important. Each of them is important. The most important pillars is cultivating more awareness awareness is at the end of the day being aware being fully present being conscious mm-hmm. this was the what i realized the most important thing and this can be cultivated through mindfulness uh, but as a scientist for the, for me this topic of mindfulness was always too fluffy right this is nothing you can put your hands around so what what is this mindfulness and right? how do i uh, I wanted to make more sense out of it and mm-hmm. bringing some data to this. This is when I started exploring how can you put key performance indicators, clear numbers, and data to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. And this is what, over the years, morphed into uh, what I call now measurable mindfulness. But at the end, it's just a it's a tool. Measurable mindfulness it's an enabler to help you become more present. And this is the first pillar. The second pillar then is. When you think about the mind, uh, the mind, I usually, as a computer scientist, talk about the software of the mm-hmm. mind. Sometimes the mind operating system, and then techies listening to this, they can relate to this term software or operating system mind OS very well, right? It's the mm-hmm. mind at the end of the day runs the software, and that software is producing an output, which is your personality or your ego, mm-hmm. right, and the software usually is buggy, in my experience. It's suboptimal. It has all kind of uh, problems in it, uh, inefficiencies, mm-hmm. and so it became clear that the second pillar has to be the mind. So, with awareness that you cultivate in the first pillar, now you can actually start looking at the mind, inquiring, reflecting and looking at certain things, how your mind behaves and is processing things, right? And then you can start making changes, make it more efficient, get rid of these bugs, mm-hmm. make it more pleasant, right? And and that then has, of course, a profound, profound impact on your personality, once the mind starts behaving differently.
0: Mm-hmm. And then
1: the third pillar, pillar at the end of the day was the body because you can meditate as much as you want if the body is not in a good shape, if the body is sick, right? Is it, what, what does it help you to, to basically meditate or to start debugging the mind if there's no energy left to do any of that stuff, right? And I realized uh, at that point my body was in pretty bad shape. At that point, um, it was just, it was energy, as I mentioned, was a topic. But I also realized all kind of other stress symptoms that typically are associated with stress, like high blood pressure. Um, that is just one, right? And when you go to the doctors, they give you some pills, some, some basically some drugs that prescription drugs that supposed to help you. But then when you look at the side effects, <laughs> long list. Sure enough, you will get some of them. This happened to me, right? And this can't be the way of of, uh, fixing your body by putting these little band-aids on top. Mm -hmm. Then as as a scientist, again, this didn't make any sense. And that's why I got into the body. How is the body working? And as a computer scientist, again, it became clear to me, this is, again, a very complex system. It's the hardware. And there's all those subsystems in there, very complex, very complicated. But there is a blueprint your DNA, and this is really the, the foundation, how your body functions. And so I got deep into epigenetics, into functional medicine, trying to understand what are all those systems, what genes are there to represent them. Uh, what is the impact if some of those genes are working maybe a little bit more efficient, less efficient or not properly at all? Mm-hmm. And then what are the biomarkers there where you can look at in terms of how those systems are actually behaving? Mm-hmm. And so then when I started in Berlin, this was about seven, eight years ago when I started to work with, uh, I got to know some functional medicine practitioners and doctors. And so I learned a lot from them, but of course I also got deeper into the study of these topics. And biohacking is a process that was developed also in the past 13 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dave Asprey is someone who really started these initiatives uh, back, I think, in 2010. But biohacking is an agile approach, so similar like in the software industry, when you work agile week by week and make adjustments, Mm -hmm. The topic is build, measure, learn. And so here the same thing. You, you basically you have to figure out how do you measure the body itself, different systems, what kind of interventions can you do to improve? Then measure again, see what happens. Did it work out well or is it basically not helping at all? Let's try something else. And so for the body, same thing for the mind. You can use a very agile approach. You can use mind KPIs, body KPIs, mm-hmm. and this is when I put these things together in, in the past years. And I coined this term, high-performance mindset, when I said this is really what you want. You want, you want to get into this uh, state which is uh, calm, focused, relaxed, peaceful. Mm -hmm. But you also want to be very aware. You want to be very. There's a lot of energy to support you. There's a lot of resilience, especially in the past years with all the pandemic and stuff going on. Uh, I mean, if if you're getting sick, then what? It's the the mind is at the end of the day also not that big of a use if the body is not in good shape. Yeah. So you need all three of these things in a a pretty decent shape, and this is how you can cultivate over time this high-performance mindset as a motivation to get you pretty much generate the best version of yourself. It's maybe just a different term for this.
0: Yeah, I I find it fascinating. We spoke, I think the original conversation we had, we spoke about the the measurable mindfulness, you called it, (laughs) and, and thoughts per minute. And I find that fascinating because I think probably like other business leaders, we're busy, we want to see results and things like mindfulness, they take time. Things like looking at your software, looking at your hardware, it takes time to iterate and make those improvements. But the fact that you've looked at those KPIs means that we have what all leaders want. This is the data to back up the evidence that it's working and we're on a path and it's, you know, we're making improvements. Can we talk a little bit more about the KPIs? Because we, the, the thoughts per minute and the, the, was it the breath work that we spoke about previously around the KPIs? I'd be really interested. I think the listeners would be really interested to understand your take on that.
1: Yeah, sure. Be, um, so there were over time then looking at how can I measure things? And I was first looking at awareness, consciousness. Can I put a, a number there? Right? <laughs> how do I know I'm actually aware? Yeah. And so that was inspired me to first look at this complex topic, but I figured, well, let's take a practical approach here. Let's look at how many minutes over the course of the day are you actually fully connected to the present moment, mm-hmm. and then make this a percentage. So if you're 16 hours awake, the other eight hours you sleep, as an example, and then from these 16 hours, let's say uh, you are 20 minutes fully present, fully here, the rest of the time, you're basically in your mind, rehashing the past, thinking about the future, mm-hmm. like the busy mind, right, mentioned before, Yeah. connected to the present moment. So if this is 20 minutes out of uh, these 16 hours, so it's about 1,000 minutes, roughly, make it simple, it's about 2%. And I use the term level of present awareness, or LPA, to define mm-hmm. this level of awareness, right? And 2% or 1%, is something that you can calculate for yourself over a few weeks to create a baseline, and this is actually what happened. And I started working with these leaders, uh, usually two percent, three percent at most. This is what I, <laughs> that, what, oh, good day. <laughs> what people came up with, and the rest of the data on this autopilot, so yeah, basically unconscious behavior. <laughs> And that was surprising, but on the other hand, yeah, it actually makes sense if you look around that most people are on this autopilot with an untrained state of mind. And uh, so that KPI level of present awareness, LPA became the driver where I said, well, if this KPI goes up, if I can get from 2% someone to 10% yeah. or you know, maybe help them to reach even 15 or 20%, this would be a game changer, right? Mm-hmm. So this is where measurable mindfulness can kick in. Where I figured, let's let's look at this. How how can this be done? And so I, I started to put training together. I knew at that point already so many different mindfulness techniques and methodologies that I realized, yeah, there's many of them out there, and it's fine. Uh, everyone has different preferences. Let's look at them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The KPIs is really the thing that helps you then to measure things. And what you mentioned before, this, uh, for instance, thought per minute, yeah. PPMs, I felt is a very important one. So I discovered those later on uh, because the question then also was, well, if the mind is busy, what does this mean? Right? Mm-hmm. Research shows us there is usually between 50, 70, 80,000 thoughts per day. This is what scientific community concludes that you have every day this large number of thoughts thought activity some of them in the conscious mind but many of them in the subconscious mind so it's a huge uh, number of thoughts and it's a huge energy waste there mm-hmm. because most of these thoughts are completely useless mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just random stuff and they're not needed and so I said well, if there is 50 70,000 thoughts per day, how can I figure out how many are there per minute if I take a snapshot? Uh-huh. And so I started exploring this, uh, also very practical, I pretty much got into meditation, meditated for 10 minutes, and I used a, a, an app to basically every time a thought came up, I was observing my thoughts, and as, as I was already trained uh, in mindfulness techniques, I for me, this was not difficult to pretty much count those sorts.
0: Okay.
1: And I did this for 10 minutes, and then I figured, okay, now let's see how many were there, and then I added up the numbers, divided mm-hmm. by 10, so then I had basically what my sort per minute was, and I did this over a different period of time on different occasions different times of the day, and so over a few weeks I uh, looked at the data and pretty much saw there are some patterns in here, so like in the evenings, afternoons, there's more salt activity, Mm -hmm. morning there's less salt activity, Uh, and it was interesting to look at this, and so this way I could pretty much establish some baseline on these salt per minutes, and it was clear that at the end of the day, a low number is good, Mm-hmm. So the lower it gets, basically the uh, the better it is. Right. So that was my my insight there.
0: Yeah, and and so in terms of practical tips for, for leaders that are listening, people that are listening at the moment, would you would you say draw yourself up a spreadsheet, take two weeks, get a baseline, and then what? What are the practical steps they can take to move their their
1: well, I mean, the challenge is first of all to establish this number. So usually, when I work with them, I, I help them to even to even learn how to how to establish a solid baseline here. It's because if you tell them sit still for ten minutes, it won't work. This right? <laughs> is not even doable. And so I came up with a more practical uh, approach, which is a three-minute exercise where you basically it's like light meditation where you can basically start counting this very simplistically and you you get used to even observing your thoughts. People are not even used to do that. Mm -hmm. So it's little learning steps over a few weeks to learn what this is. And then they get better and better at it. That means actually that number, usually something like 10 thoughts per second is not uncommon or more. Mm. Um, But this number, once they get better at observing this number, the number actually goes up. Because at the beginning, there is multiple thoughts. You get identified with a thought that leads you to the next thought and the next thought, but then only you become aware that, ah, there was a thought, but in reality, there were three thoughts. And and only then when you get better, you can actually keep tracking them separately. So the number goes up initially. But doing this exercise, learning this technique of tracking thoughts is so helpful because it makes you... um, it connects you to the present moment again and it it helps you to like first steps to observe your mind in a very Mm -hmm. systematic way in a quantifiable way and once you get there that you actually have a baseline so let's say that the baseline tells you after three or four weeks so in the morning i have six thoughts per minute in the evening i have maybe 12 per minute on the weekends a little bit less so then at that point you know okay this is where i am and then you use at the end it doesn't matter there's so many exercises out there that you can do breathing exercises mini meditations uh, mindful eating walking or taking regular activities that you're doing anyhow over the course of the day like taking a shower uh, brushing your teeth so things like this that you can turn into mini meditations, so to speak, by being fully present, and then start to count those things and track these activities. Doesn't have to be perfect, it's not about perfection. Mm-hmm. But so over time that you can see there is an impact on your TPMs thoughts so per minute, so mm-hmm. that you can actually see there is a downward trend when you do this for a while um but also on your lpa your level of present awareness you you notice an upward trend right mm-hmm. and that gives you motivation so at least this was how it was for me so i'm a data guy i like data mm-hmm. so this that's why this resonates with me i i could see that oh interesting thought per minute is going down yeah um and then the uh, on the other hand level of present awareness going up right but i think for me the the uh, the thing was, after my experience uh, that I had ten years ago, uh, my TPM was already so low that uh, this was not even a topic anymore. Right? But For me, I had maybe one thought, sometimes two per minute, or sometimes no thoughts at all. So yeah. for me, this was uh, this was relative, uh, relatively, uh, um, yeah, simple thing, mm-hmm. to put, right? But um, I know when working with other leaders or other people, when they start uh, engaging in this and they say, oh yeah, I'm motivated, I want to do something, this busy mind is killing me. Mm-hmm. Let's let's do something concrete about it. Let's start to track this and see what's happening. Yeah. The numbers are usually, as I mentioned earlier, they're quite high and that, uh, that may be a good insight and self-realization that, oh, wow, this is... This is interesting that it's that bad, right? But mm-hmm. it gives you, I think, on the other hand, it gives you motivation to get into. If you want to get the calm experience, a calm state of mind with, uh, let's say, maybe one or two thoughts per minute or less, um, it's a game changer, right? It's just mm-hmm. it feels it's so it feels so different that it's worth going through the trouble or the, the effort. I would say the effort of actually getting there. So that makes it worse
0: my activity. Yeah, you've converted me, Rainer. You've definitely converted me. I'm going to have a spreadsheet open this afternoon. And is there, in your, in your experience, is there are there optimal thoughts per minute? Or is it case by case? Is every individual different in that sense? Or should we be <laughs> chasing a number in terms of the results?
1: So can, can you, you clarify in the question? Cla- yeah.
0: So for for each individual, is it is it different how many thoughts per minute are, are optimal for them, or should everybody be chasing that number? Of okay. For,
1: yeah. Got it. Yeah. Thanks. Um, no, I think the, the 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 idea here is fewer is better. Mm-hmm. And the, if you really want to master the mind and get be fully present most of the time, if possible, that is a desirable state. I can share from my own experience, it's a very calm, peaceful state, uh, it's ultimate focus. Uh, yeah, and it's a completely different experience of life, as is, and so that's why. This KPI, there is more mind KPIs. This is just Mm -hmm. one example, like the the number of thoughts. There is five others that are relevant as well that you can look at, so you can keep adding more KPIs that are meaningful. Mm. But in these things, it's always the same thing. Fewer thought activity, the better, right? So ideally, your thought activity is at zero. That means perfect, right? I can't
0: imagine. I cannot imagine, but I will work towards it. And... And, and in terms of um, the sort of focus, you mentioned focus just, just now, with regards to the concept of work less, do more. So Cal Newport obviously wrote uh, Deep Work quite some time ago now, but in terms of having that focus and those um, fewer thoughts per minute, how does that allow people to get more done? What's, what's the concept there? Can you explain the benefits for us, please?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, that was, uh, I, I see that all the times. So, I mean, uh, the major source of distraction is what I call the monkey mind, right? Mm-hmm. The untrained state of mind that is so busy. It's all this thought activity, like TPM more than 10. Yeah. It yeah. means you sit there for three, four, five, six, six seconds, and then the next thought comes up. And if the mind is not trained, that little monkey, right, it play, jumps around, and then you go on, identify with the next thought. Mm-hmm. It's so distractive, you can't focus. I mean, how can you get work done, right? So you, literally, people sit down, they carve out some time, say, great, so now I have one hour, uh, nobody is bothering me, I put my everything here on, uh, on mute, uh, and now you want to get, maybe you want to work on a presentation or something important, report, right? And then you get started, but then the mind kicks in, and then you get distracted the mm-hmm. mind distracts you. Oh, what's up for dinner? Oh, what's, uh, what should I do tomorrow? But here you're sitting here, you actually want to get some tasks done. And so this, is a, this distraction level is so high. And so people can't focus, they get distracted, and then uh, it's this, uh, people, I mean, you know, people know that multitasking is not a good thing. It's clear thing that over the past decade, people realized a single task is the way you get stuff done, mm-hmm. uh, being focused, being, f- at the end, being fully present in what you're doing and getting into a state of flow. Yeah. And this is the what I'm talking about, is getting in the state of flow, being present, and then you can get stuff done in a fraction of the time. Right? So let's say, for me, in the past, when before that, I would maybe need for something an hour. Now I get it done in 20 minutes or in 10 minutes. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden you have, you have like 30, 40, 50 minutes extra time. What do you do with all this time? <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's why at the end of the day, if, you do, if you're working like this, you can get a lot of the work done in a fraction of the time. It frees up hours per day. And then uh, I think the key is, of course, balance. It's not now that you say, "Oh, now I have more time; I can get more work done." Mm-hmm. The idea is, you think about in the morning what is the most important thing I want accomplished. You create this focus by being present, getting into this flow, get the stuff done, and then once it's accomplished, then check mark. And now you use the time to generate this balance. Is also look at other things because you're not just your work, right? Mm-hmm. Work is one thing, But there's also something called fun, there's something called maybe friends, family, connections, there's all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And balance means, and there is your body, we haven't even talked about the body yet, the body yes. also needs support and focus. And so there is all those things to juggle at the end of the day, and a lot of it is also fun stuff, pleasant stuff. Um, but if you only focus on one thing, like work, then you miss out the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And so that's why use that focus once you cultivate this focus, once you reach this high-performance mindset state, so that you can free up time and then use the time for other activities that help you balance out. And that is my recipe. It works very well. Um, I can get much more done compared to 10 years ago. and so when I worked like in this large company in Germany, Zalando, it's a large fashion e-commerce platform.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I built large organizations in a fraction of the time what I needed before, and with much lower stress levels. And it was a completely different ball game. Right. So that's why. Um, I was able not just to focus on the work stuff, but I had still enough time over that I can look at other things, personal aspects, and again, the fun stuff. Right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That makes it made that's a big game changer because those other activities, they re-energize you. Yes. And then at the end of the day, you have more energy just because you're balancing out. And then the next day you can get even more stuff done. So it's a positive feedback loop as well. Yeah.
0: And in terms of finding your flow, then, was that something that came naturally? Was it a case of sort of delegating the things that didn't come easily? Or was there a process that you went through to find what your your flow activities are?
1: Well, I think this goes back to a purpose. The why, why are you here? What Mm -hmm. is it that drives you? What is your inner motivation? So you have to figure that out. Again, for finding this out, you need a high level of present awareness. You, mm-hmm. have to, you have to become quiet and still and really go inside yourself, so to speak, and connect with your inner core, right? So this, this sounds maybe a little abstract at the beginning, but I wrote a few um, definitely articles about it, videos that are on my blog, but the um, only when you know what really it is that, motivates you, then you can figure out how to prioritize things, uh, what matters most, and that you can use as guidance for all those activities that you do. Mm -hmm. Should I do more of this? Should I do more of that? What is the direction here? When you make these hundreds of little decisions every day, you first need to know what really is the purpose. Mm -hmm. than that is random stuff, right? You're moving around every day, the, again, this hamster wheel thing comes up, right? You're doing mm-hmm. busy, busy, busy all the time doing stuff and you may accomplish something. But is that what really matters? What you now did, what matters most? Or is this just some random stuff that you created, some busy work, so to speak?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why the purpose is a key uh, component of this, which can be, it's not necessarily discovered, but it can be defined with a higher level of present awareness. Mm-hmm.
0: It seems It seems there's almost a compounding effect as well, you're almost sort of laying foundations to then build upon and build upon and build upon yeah. like a positive
1: feedback mm-hmm. loop. Absolutely, this is all synergetic, right, and that's why in this framework when more awareness is there, it's easier to debug the mind, then it's easier to free up time to balance stuff. it's easier to take care of the body. yeah and, yes. and then the body gives you more energy gives you more resil- resilience. you won't get sick that much or at all right and then it feeds itself right and then with every little thing you do you can pretty much you get more and more into this prolonged state of flow right it's like the whole day seems like a complete flow from the morning to the evening. Then you wonder oops today is already over what's happening <laughs> so,
0: yes yeah, yeah. we've all had days like that but i think often they're more accidental than intentional aren't they but
1: yeah and, and How- doing this intentionally i be been this in this flow by deciding so i want to be in this flow state mm-hmm. but this is what the mind says the reality is at the end you're just being present yes being fully there and then the rest happens
0: yeah Rainer, I find this fascinating.
1: Thank you for, for sharing it with us.
0: If if people want to learn more, how can they find how can they find you and how can they find your work?
1: Yeah, um, I think my my blog the Mindful is a great source uh, of there there is uh, lots of articles. There is also linked to my YouTube channel my Instagram, so usually Instagram where I share a lot of little pieces of practical things that can be done in the videos. I talk about these topics in depth and I also do like monthly meetups, people interested in that stuff. It's usually a good chance to connect also like-minded people in this area who who also work on themselves, leadership growth, personal growth, but who are open for these ideas of more awareness, updating the mind and the body. And then there are synergies that can be discovered but yeah i think the mindfulleader.net is a good starting point
0: fantastic thank you and you mentioned last time we spoke the book on the horizon as well
1: that right? yeah that's something yeah I, I, uh, the, a few years ago i figured uh, but the work is still evolving mm-hmm. so i figured to help more people take advantage of this uh, knowledge um, it's probably helpful to write it up in a, in a book. And so then I started earlier this year to say, okay, now enough talk about it. Let's actually do it and start working on this. Yeah. Uh, but of course it's still evolving because mm-hmm. it, when I started then with the writing process, there's always new ideas, new techniques, and that makes it a little bit harder because I, at the end of the day, I want to get to a product that is relatively uh yeah, up to date and current. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how it goes. But my goal is over this year to get this done and then hopefully publish it next year.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Well, sign me up for a copy. I'll be there.
1: Sure, thanks. Yeah.
0: Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining. It's been fascinating. We'll put all those links in the in the show notes as well. So anyone that wants to get in touch, click on the link and and look at your YouTube channel
1: or your Instagram. Yeah, thanks, Amy, for having me. And I hope there is some impulses that uh, people took and can take action on.